Bows and TKOs, episode 17. We are live. I'm your host, Shane Gillette, as we recap the UFC Apex event this weekend. As there is no UFC this weekend, closing out September, which seems like the first time since summer started uh, that we have some time with no UFC action. But there is not a lack of fights announced. Woo wee! Let me tell you. We got about 30 legit fights that have been announced as they are rounding out the end of the year and even starting to build out some cards at the beginning of 2024. Uh, so we're going to break these down, quick thoughts, break down the past UFC event um, and uh, a few other things in MMA action. It is a beautiful Thursday morning right now um, here in the Valley as I, as I record this. Um, I feel like I'm just getting my bearings under me from this past weekend. Uh, went up to Flagstaff early Saturday morning, couple hour drive from here to go watch the University of Montana Grizzlies get dominated by the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks, which in my greatest of memory would have never thought that that would happen. Um, uh, probably one of the more embarrassing games I've ever went to as a Grizz fan. The offense, the quarterback play, the coaching, it was just a train wreck. And I smell disaster, uh, you know, on its way. And I, I was thinking about maybe going to the Grizz Cat Brawl, the Wild Rivalry game, or go back to Montana for the first football game since like 2016 or so. But I will definitely not be doing that after that event. Uh, but it was cool to go to Flagstaff. Lots of Grizz fans. Cool little stadium, little dome stadium. Uh, went and got some dinner, enjoyed some college football after that, the chaotic Notre Dame OSU game and some others. Wyoming's crazy win against App State at home, go Pokes. But then drove to um, Las Vegas early Sunday morning, got there in time for brunch, got a brunch, have some fun, watch some football, head to the Death Star for some tailgating, get to see Steelers, Raiders, Sunday night football, primetime football. That stadium experience is insane. A little Wayne concert, Bruce Buffer announcing it. They say there was about 60% Steelers fans. It seemed like more. The Steelers pulled out a dub. Boy, I'm not mad about it. 2-1-1, leading the AFC North. And I get to see one other game in Los Angeles. Rams Steelers after their bye uh, here in the end of October. So super stoked about that. I ended up watching some of these fights. Um, I think right after the, the Northern Arizona game. And then watched them back on ESPN+. Plus. Um... But boy, man, did the UFC matchmakers go ham this week. We got Misha Tate, Julia Avila, December 2nd. Misha Tate's back, not the opponent I would have expected. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how many more fights she has in the UFC. Very winnable opponent there. We have Punahili Soriano taking on Dustin Stoltzfus. Major, major implications for this fight for Punahili. Um, uh, added to that December 2nd fight night card. And I believe the card after that has been announced in China, uh, December 9th. I'm not sure where in China, but there will be a China Fight Night card. We got Yuri Prashaka, Alex Pereira official for the co-main event for UFC 295. Yuri Prashaka, Alex Pereira, John Jones, Stipe Miocic. Those tickets at MSG, man, they ain't going to be cheap, but golly, is that going to be a card? Following that, the pay-per-view in uh, December, 
We have Leon Edwards, Colby Covington for UFC 296, as well as Alexander Pantoja, Brandon Royval for the co-main event at UFC 296, the welterweight and flyweight titles. Also added to the fight night card in December, I believe this is the main event, we got Jared Cannonier, Roman Delidzi. That is a just certified banger. Um, you know, clearly Jared won't be fighting for the title. So uh, take an opponent to keep the wins racked up to have another title shot. We have Jake Matthews, Michael Morales, November 18th. Uh, Jake Matthews, solid fighter. Morales with a lot of potential, high ceiling. Excited to see him back in the octagon. We got... Rob Font, Divison, Figueredo, also on the December 2nd card. Love me some Rob Font. We'll see what Figgy can do at the bantamweight division. He's been out for quite some time, so all eyes on how he performs. You beat a good Rob Font in bantamweight, you're right up in the rankings and, and making some noise. The bantamweight division just stays interesting. Also on December tw uh, 2nd, we have Khalil Roundtree Jr. taking on Azamat Mirzakhanov. That is going to be a big-time scrap. Uh, expect a finish there. Speaking of finishes, UFC 295 got a banger. Matt Fravola, Benoit Saint-Denis. I mean, these guys are going to come out aggressive. Let's see who could get the finish. Um, probably one of the more insane fights uh, that I've seen. Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett, UFC 296. Um you know, if Tony loses that fight, I would uh, assume that Dana forces him to retire. But an interesting opportunity to take a fan favorite down and a very winnable fight for Tony. That'll be fun to break down uh, come December. We have Shavkat Rachmanov official against Steven Thompson at UFC 296. Um, Clash's style fight. I'm surprised that uh, Steven took this fight, but I believe Shavkat's ranked ahead of him. And there's rumors that Stephen Thompson's getting his, like, a double pay from the missed pay in the last fight. We have Euros Medik versus Johnny Parsons, November 18th. I mean, that's just going to be straight chaos. I saw Euros fight Schemmelsberger in Salt Lake. I can only imagine him with Johnny Parsons. We have the OG Clay Guida taking on uh, Joaquim Silva, December 2nd. You know, you got to cherish every... Fight the Carpenter, enters the octagon before his retirement. Some major young studs clashing here. We got Ian Gary Vicente Luque, UFC 296. I mean, a ton on the line. Ian Gary just continues to climb up the rankings. Vicente Luque looked great in his last fight. Can he keep it going? Also at 296, we have Tagir Olenbekov taking on Cody Durden. December 2nd, we have Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum. Um... Was really wanting Sean Brady, Jack Della, but Kelvin Gastelum and Sean Brady is going to be one hell of a scrap. Kev Kelvin's been out for quite a while as well as Sean. So who's going to take the vault in their career? We have the veteran Andre Arlovsky taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta January 13th. That's going to be a big stepping stone for Waldo, for Salsa Boy. At UFC 295, we have Tabitha Ricci and Lupi Godinez. Very, very fun fight on the women's side of things. We have Sumaderi taking on Alan Nascimento on that China card December 9th. We have the return fight of Drakkar Close taking on Joe Selecki December 2nd. 
We have Stephanie Egger out. Uh, so Montana De La Rosa stepping in against J.J. Aldrich um, October 7th here soon. We have Pewter Yan and Song Yadong December 9th. That is a major, major scrap. Pewter Yan has just been taking on Murderer's Row. And it'll be interesting to see how Song can hang with uh, the former champ. Irene Aldana, Carol Hosa, UFC 296 in a bantamweight fight. And then Andre Muniz and Jung Yan Park, December 9th, will be going down in China. So a ton of awesome fights. Again, I think this is the most awesome fights that I've seen announced in a week's time in quite some time. Uh, maybe since the beginning of January or the summer. Uh, maybe when the pivot got a bunch of leaks out in the war room. Um, but man, some awesome scraps coming in. I would say the Tony Ferguson's probably the most surprising matchup with uh, Patty. I thought Andre and Waldo was definitely an interesting matchup. But I am super excited for the Yuri, the light heavyweight title fight. Edwards Colby, see how that shakes out. Um, stylistically, Delizzi and Cannoneer is going to be insane. Figgy's bantamweight debut. Uh, certified banger with Frivol and Benoit on 295. And uh, what can Shavkat Rachmanov do with Steven Thompson? So a lot of fun coming up. Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, it just keeps going. But we're going to chat about Dana White Contender Series Episode 8. I, I know I said this, I think, Episode 6. But this is one of the best Dana White Contender Series episodes I've ever seen. So good that Dana White gave two losers contracts. Uh, we had Vinicius Oliveira with a round one knockout at Bantamweight. Vicious knockout. He got signed. He's going to be a heavy-handed fighter in that division. We had one hell of a fight between Ernesta Carcaite and Carly Judice. Um, Ernesta won split decision. Two really tall flyweights. Both got contracts. Broke like every significant strike record in flyweight history, let alone the Contender Series history. I mean, they went three rounds of just straight kickboxing and savagery. Um, was very impressed with that. We had Danny Silva with unanimous decision over Angel Pacheco at featherweight. Both got contracts. Uh, Silva was lighting up Pacheco with some of the hardest shots I've seen in a long time. He was eating them, kept deliver them, delivering them, and it was just uh, high-quality striking back and forth for three rounds. I believe the significant strike total there was the highest in featherweight history, too, for a three-round fight. Insane. And then Danny Barlow with a fantastic round one knockout over Raheem Forrest at welterweight. And I believe both of these guys were Cage Fury uh, alums and former champions. This would have been a Cage Fury, or Cage Fury championship fight. So technically, we get the Cage Fury champion, Danny Barlow, into the UFC. Uh, so fantastic episode of Contender Series. Um, those two flyweight women look like they're going to be a problem um, coming into the UFC. Vinicius, crazy knockout power. Danny Silva, well-rounded. He had Cub Swanson in his corner and excited about a little bit older Pacheco, but boy, did he show his heart out. And Danny Barlow is going to be a problem. So great episode of the Contender Series. I want to confirm this because I got an update on this and I haven't seen anything about it and I think it's been shut down. But supposedly, Gervonta Davis is going to fight Keith Thurman next, which I am a massive Keith Thurman fan. Shuts down rumors. So, 
supposedly there's rumors that they're going to fight. It was going to be a catchweight fight in December in Vegas, but Gervonta said he's going to wait until uh, 2024 to fight. So this looks like the supposed next opponent for Gervonta. What a fantastic opponent. Finally, we're getting the best of the best in boxing squaring off against each other. So stay tuned for that. And then we had the Dublin Bellator card, 299. Not a very deep card, but uh, some, some title fights on the line. We had Johnny Eblen defeat Fabian Edwards via round three knockout. Um, Johnny Eblen's the man, did his thing, had a very nasty cut that went viral um, above his eye. I mean, this is a guy that I think could compete in the UFC in the top 15. Speaking of top 15, random sidetrack here. Uh, Dana White said in the post-contender series interview that they're thinking about making the official rankings top 20 instead of top 15, which can be intriguing. Uh, but Johnny Eblen, man, he did his thing, showed out. Um, you know, there's all this rumor of PFL buying Bellator, Bellator needing uh, some way, somehow. Um, Johnny's one of those guys I, I think the UFC would look at. So uh, fun to watch his fights. We had Aaron Pico with a round one TKO over Pedro Varvalho. Pico continuing to do his thing, looking good. And then one of the prelim fights that was exciting is Peter Queeley, especially fighting in Ireland. Uh, but it ended to a, a no contest due to eye injury. So definitely a clunker there, but some good knockouts. I saw a heavyweight throw a spinning uh, heel kick or wheel kick. Um, that was a fantastic knockout. So Bellator living its last days as they get ready for some massive 300 and 301 cards here coming soon. And the PF finale in November, PFL finale. But let's break down UFC Fight Night Vegas 79. I went five and four in my picks. So Boza TKOs, 17 episodes in, we're 97-61-1. Let's kick it off at the prelims. We had Mohamed Usman with a unanimous decision over Jake Collier. And I figured Usman would just be too strong, too powerful, a little bit younger. And that was the case. But man, Jake has been there, been the, been there done that with so many heavyweights. He was just slaying the calf kick. He gave up on it. Everything he was doing well, he kind of gave up on. And over the course of three rounds, Usman just did more than he did to get the decision. Um, but I was just kind of scratching my head. I'm like, man, you're on a losing streak. Why don't you stick with that? But Usman, clearly the much larger fighter, uh, and he was able to find a way. Statistically, Usman landed 118 total strikes, 85 of which were significant. He did have a takedown in three attempts. And Jake had 100 total strikes, 87 significant. He did have two submission attempts of his own. So, Muhammad extends his winning streak to three, all of them in the UFC. Jake ends his losing streak, um, extends his losing streak to four. He has won in four since 2022. He's been active, but only one win. So, it'll be interesting to see what's uh, the fate of Jake Collier. But I would love to see Muhammad. He already fought one of the Tafa brothers. Let's put him up against Justin Taffa stylistically. That would be fun. And for Jake, if he is still in the UFC, how about the other Taffa brother, Junior Taffa? Then we had this just issue here. We had Cody Brundage with a DQ victory over Jacob Malkoon. Um, it was an illegal, an illegal elbow to the back of the head. Jacob Malkoon was taking this fight wherever he wanted. He was out grappling Cody he was landing ground and pound and threw like a forearm elbow straight into the back of the head. Uh, Cody, you know, barely doing anything and getting dominated in the fight, decided to end the fight, so he won via DQ. 
you know, it is what it is. You got to know the rules. It gets chaotic in there. You start doing crazy stuff. There's also the down knee opponent issue that we're dealing with. Um, I don't want to waste time on drama and the rules, but uh, you got to know better, Jacob. You can't just be hitting people in the back of the head, but he was definitely on his way to win that fight if you ask me. Statistically, Jacob landed 44 total strikes, 28 of those significant. He had one takedown and three attempts. Cody only landed three total strikes, two significant, had a takedown and two submission attempts. And uh, yeah, Jacob, I picked Jacob. I took an L here. I picked Usman, got a dub. Uh, this really ruined all, all the opportunities for me getting uh, some parlay hits. So Jacob starts a new losing streak. He is 2-2 two and two since 2022. Cody ends his three-fight losing streak on that DQ victory um, as that was his choice. So next, I would love to see Jacob take on Albert Duraev. I thought Cody could fight Dusko Todorovic, but he got booked against Tagir Olenbekov for UFC 296. How that happened, I'm not too sure. Um, but props. Oh, no, that's Cody Brundage, Cody Durden. So, um, yeah, let's give him uh, Dusko Todorovic. I, I, I know Dana wasn't too pleased about this, though. And then we had this fight. I talked about it. Fight of the night potential. Tim Means with a round three t knockout over Andre Fialio. Fight of the night. Uh, I bet a um, third round finish by Tim Means, meaning he has to win the fight via submission, knockout, any way or another. So I hit some some nice money there that gave me some extra gambling money in Vegas. And uh, this was just three rounds of chaos. The Dirty Bird made it dirty. Um, at, at his age and the amount of fights he has, the, the way he could take these shots, deal them, the durability, the cardio is so impressive. I mean, Andre Fialio has been just as active as anyone since he's come to the UFC. He's a power hitter, and he landed some shots, but the Dirty Bird just kept coming and was too overwhelming over the course of the fight, and he got the finish, was close to getting finished in round two, got it in round three. Um, Tim landed a 134 total strikes, 104 of those significant. He was 0 for 2 in takedown attempts. He had a reversal and two knockdowns. But Andre also got some big shots in early, um, swayed the fight. I probably would say even one round one. Um, but the Dirty Bird came on stronger throughout the fight. I think Andre gassed himself a little bit. Fialio landed 56 total strikes, 51 of those significant. He had a takedown himself. So Tim ends his three-fight losing streak. He starts a new winning streak. Andre ends his four-fight losing streak and is 2-5 and five since 2022. So although he's been active, he's been stepping up in the, the rankings and hasn't had a ton of success. Now, Tim has been showing out, man. Let's give him another veteran and just a fan uh, beneficial showcase in the octagon. Give me Tim. Give me Santiago Ponzinibbio. Holy, would that be a lot of fun. And for Andre, how about Trevin Giles? And I was very impressed with this fight, although I picked against him. We had Miles Johns with the unanimous decision victory over Dan Argetta. And, uh, you know, this 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 fight was a, a three-round warfare as well, man. Uh, both guys, good strikers, young, you know, barely at the edge of entering their primes. Very muscular, can grapple, can strike. But Miles Johns just defeated Dan Argetta through three rounds. I would say Dan probably won the first round. You know, he was looking to grapple early and often, find the back of Miles. He was uh, had a, a standing body triangle, 
you know, gassed himself out there, had a guillotine really good at one point, gassed his arm out. He just could not find a way to get the finish. And Miles, with his heart and determination, made it through the fight, landed the, the strikes where necessary, got some takedowns, and boy, was it just an awesome showcase. I have not seen this version of Miles Johns. He's going to be a problem because he weathered the early storm that Dan provided and was able to outclass a guy that lives off cardio. And Dan was trying to come on strong in round three, but it was a little too little too late. Statistically, Dan landed 38 total strikes, 33 of which were significant. He had two takedowns and six attempts, so good defense by Johns. He did have two submission attempts. And Miles landed 52 total strikes, 43 of which were significant, two for six in takedown attempts himself as well. So Miles is now on a two-fight winning streak. He is 3-1 since 2021, so not super active, but he seems fired up, ready to get back in there at the best version of himself. And Dan starts a new losing streak. He is 3-2 and two since 2022, but is only 1-2-1 in the UFC. He should be 2-2, two and two, uh, but it is what it is with that last no contest. So give me Miles and Rayoni Barcelos. I think that would be awesome. The fans would love that fight. And for Dan, how about Ricky Tercios, the ex-Ultimate Fighter alum? In the main card, we had Charles Jordan with a round one submission via guillotine choke over Ricardo Ramos. Performance of the night, 50 Gs to the Canadian. I mean, stylistically, this had potential to be fight of the night. Charles just did not let it get there. Another great submission uh, victory via guillotine over a jiu-jitsu guy, over a grappler. And Ricardo was thinking probably what a lot of us thought, that he didn't expect that to come into play, that it was going to be all striking, but he found an opportunity to get deep in it, got the finish. It was very impressive. But Ricardo was definitely the aggressor when it came to the striking, and it would have been interesting to see how that played out. Very, very close fight. But Charles landed eight total and significant strikes and that submission attempt. Ricardo got two takedowns and three attempts and a submission attempt of his own. So Charles extends his winning streak to two. He is three and two since 2022. And Ricardo ends his winning streak. He is two and two since 2021. So needs to get a little bit more active. Charles doing his thing. Two great wins, showing off an impressive guillotine. So these grapplers just can't come in and try to take him down. So what's next? Imagine this. Air Jordan, Nate the Train Landaware. That would be bonkers. Let's make that happen. And for Ricardo, how about Cub Swanson? I think that could be a ton of fun. Get an OG vet against Ricardo who's been there, been around, uh, uh, you know, earned his stripes. That would be fantastic. Then we had Brian battle with a round two submission via rear naked choke over AJ Fletcher. Uh, I saw that Brian won. I assumed it was easier than it was. Watched it back. Boy, it was not. You know, Brian did well keeping distance from AJ because he is so much longer with his kicks, teep kicks, kind of using that as a jab. But AJ, once he he started being aggressive towards the end of round one, was having success in the pocket, rocked Brian at one point. Brian ended up getting a takedown and getting back, uh, you know, getting cleared up in his mind. Um, but AJ fought tough. Uh, you know, when it came to the striking outside of the kicks, I just did not see a lot from Brian, and that could have been the game plan. But I want to see more in the striking. He did get a finish. You know, he considers himself the Apex King. Yet he continues to fight at the Apex and hasn't lost. But this wasn't a very confidence booster for the future fights that Brian's going to have. Statistically, Brian landed 63 total strikes. 45 of those were significant. 
He had one takedown and two attempts and a submission attempt. And AJ landed 29 total strikes, 25 of those significant. He was 0 for 2 in takedown attempts. So Brian, he's got his winning streak to 2. He is 4 and 1 since 2022. And AJ starts a new losing streak. He is 2 and 3 overall in the UFC. I would love to see Brian and Phil Rowe. I think two long strikers. That's going to be a great match. And for AJ, how about Court McGee, the veteran, or Gabe Green? I think that would be fantastic. Uh, but Brian, although not pretty, still got the dub, and that is all that matters in this world. In the uh, awesome women's fight, this was a complete disaster. We had Marina Rodriguez with a round two TKO over Michelle Waterson Gomez. Performance of the night, 50 Gs. You know, this is a rematch of, a, I think, a 2021 fight. The 2021 fight was a lot closer. This is in a different uh, weight class as well. Uh, they fought at flyweight. This is strawweight. And Marina is just a hard hitter. She's one of the hardest hitters in the division, and that showcased. Michelle battled. She used her speed. She tried to get the kicks. When things were landing, it wasn't pushing Marina away. She just kept coming in and leaning into her punches. Heavy hands. Michelle was bloodied up right out the gate, got cut open. She was throwing elbows. I mean, it was ugly. There was a debate that going into round two, they should have even called it. They let Michelle continue to fight. Michelle's a warrior. Warrior. She'll go out on her shield, and that's exactly what happened. I hate to see someone that I like that much as a fan, you know, get beaten down like that at this point in her career. But Rodriguez, as we expected, she's the real deal. She reminded everybody she's the real deal. I'm interested to see what happens next for her as she's been defeated at some of the top women in the division and has defeated a lot behind her. So, statistically, Marina landed 90 total strikes, 70 of them significant. She had a takedown as well. Michelle only landed 16 total strikes, 13 significant. She got one takedown, but in six attempts, so great by Rodriguez. Defending the takedown, women have tried to use that as an advantage. Uh, you know, take her down, hold her down, and get the victory. So Marina ends her two-fight winning streak. She starts a new winning streak. She is 2-2 two and two since 2022. She stays at 8 in the rankings. Michelle extends her losing streak to 4. Her last win was in 2020, and she moves two spots down in the rankings to number 14. Let's just put hard hitters together. Give me Marina Rodriguez, Jessica Andrade, uh, are the winner of the Andrade-Dern fight. They've already fought, but... That's the only fight that really makes sense for me. She's going to have to let things shake out. A lot of the divisions booked up right now. And for Michelle, how about Poliana Viana? I think that would be a good return fight, but I, I would assume with the, after a performance like this, she might take some time off. And probably the bigger surprise here for me, Bryce Mitchell with the unanimous decision over Dan Ige. This is one of the fights I got wrong. Um, I knew Dan would be more technical. I knew Dan would have more power in the strikes. And I knew Bryce's game plan was going to be go for the takedown, go for broke, takedown attempt over takedown attempt. This is what Bryce does. He did it over Edson Barboza. But the way Bryce had shown out the last two fights, I didn't know if he could do that against Ige, who is a good grappler. But he just sold every piece of energy he had to make it happen. You know, I talk about these fighters needing to string attempts together. You see a lot of people do a half-assed attempt, get up against the cage, try to do a, a single leg, try to do a leg sweep. No one comes in, sets up something for a double takedown, which pushes the opponent back, comes in, goes then for a single to then go for a double up against the cage. It's one after another. It's like linking chains together. 
Bryce Mitchell did that in a high volume. Bryce had five takedowns and 15 attempts. So Dan was out there battling against the takedown, battled the first round really well until the end, battled really well in the second round till the end. But when a guy gets on you, gets top control, has an opportunity for grounded pound or submission attempts, it's hard to win a three-round fight when you don't have the volume that you need and you're just shucking takedown defenses. Um, you know, I was watching this at the bar, watching football, talking to some people. While half-assedly watching it with no audio, I thought Dan might have pulled it off. Watching it back, Bryce clearly won. You could debate Bryce won all three rounds. I'd give one round to Dan. Uh, but I'm not upset with the de decision. Brutal, brutal loss for where Dan is at this point in his career. Massive win for Bryce to get right back on track after a couple tough stretches. I mean, let's look at both of them quickly. Bryce had just got straight up demolished against... Uh, Ilya Teporia came off a fight against Edson Barboza. So only one loss. I thought he had more for some reason. Um, and that was in December of 22. So almost a year later, comes back, gets this win. I mean, he's going to have an opportunity to now move right back up in the rankings. Let's see. Because both guys stayed in their um, spot in the rankings. Bryce Mitchell, 10. Danny Gay, 12. But now Bryce... Mitchell opens the door for the opponents. Giga, Calvin, Josh, he hasn't fought these dudes. Uh, that's going to be good for him. We'll see if that grappling forward style can continue to help him. While Dan, you know, he's fought a lot of these dudes. Let's see what Dan, his last few fights look like. You know, Dan's 32, just turned 32. Lost to Bryce, beat Nate, beat Damon, lost to Evloev, lost to Emmett, lost to the Korean Zombie since retired. So he's definitely going to be fighting back and fighting back in a division like this in your prime is tough because you're going to get these young studs. You're never going to get an easy opponent. Hate to see that for Dan. Like both guys, fought their hearts out. Uh, it just it's, it's tough when a guy comes in and gives you 15 takedown attempts, man. Uh, statistically, Bryce landed 37 total, 23 significant uh, with the submission attempt and five takedowns and 15 attempts. Dan landed 32 total, 18 significant with a reversal. And Bryce donating some money to Hawaii. That's great. There was a drama with the Bible and, and him preaching in the octagon. Dana White said that's the beauty of the UFC. They get to do what they want, say what they want. You know, we're not, we're not censoring any of that. And I, I love that he gives his fighters that opportunity. So Bryce starts a new winning streak. He is 2-1 since 2022. Dan ends his two-fight winning streak and starts a new losing streak. I think Bryce versus Giga Chikotse would be appropriate. I doubt Giga takes that fight, though, so we'll see. And for Dan, how about Alex Caceres? Give him another veteran who's been up and down as well. Uh, those guys, the opportunity to you know, get into the top 15 or defend their spot in the top 15. And stylistically, they're going to be striking. I don't think either guy could ask for more. In the main event, this was a, a, a Debbie Downer to end the evening. I picked Fazeev, but Matouche... Gamrot with a round two TKO over Rafael Faziv. Uh, Rafael in the second round, as he typically does, throwing faster, vicious kicks. Mateusz put his arms up, blocked it. You could see him come back as he put his leg back. His knee just broke out. His ACL was torn. Um, he jumped on top of him with the TKO, got the finish. So uh, Faziv only landed 19 total strikes, 18 significant. Gamrot landed 17 total, 16 significant, had one takedown and six attempts. Rafael was doing what I expected, out showcasing Gamrot on the feet and be able to be um, where, you know, 
in the zone enough to find a way to defend those takedowns. So I thought he was looking good. It was so early in a round five fight. You have no idea how that was going to play out. Uh, Gamrot definitely, you know, has a good cardio tank as well. But you hate to see it end that way. You know, maybe these guys will fight again. Mateusz act like he purposely tore his ACL and is a, a champion after that, which I did not like either. But Gamrod extends his winning streak to two. He is three and one since 2022. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number six. Uh, Rafael extends his losing streak to two. He is three and two since 2021. And he moves down one spot in the rankings to number seven. So if you ask me with a win like that, what do you do with this guy? Let's just get the Armin Sukarian, uh, Sarukian rematch. I thought Armin won that. I, I don't know if Gamrot's going to want to take that, but he might not have a choice. So if not, maybe Dan Hooker. I think that would be appropriate. And for Fazeev, I'm assuming he's going to be out for some time. Let's say Grant Dawson gets a win this, this next weekend. That would be a great opponent for him. But until we know, you know, it's hard to, to make assumptions there. Future UFC schedule. We have this Saturday off. Go on a hike. Go get some exercise. Drink some beer. Do what you got to do. Um, following that, the first weekend of October, we have a Fight Night Vegas 80, another Apex card, which is headlined by Grant Dawson and Bobby Green. Let's pull this up real quick. I think it's a decent UFC Fight Night card. I don't think it's anything to that's going to blow our minds. We got Joe Pfeiffer. That's going to be fun. Alex Morano, Joaquin Buckley, Drew Dober, Felipe Lins, Jan Kutalaba, Bill Algeo, Alexander Hernandez, Carolina Kowalsiewicz, Chris Gutierrez, Johnny Munoz, Nate Manesso. Yeah, for a, a fight night card, that Montana De La Rosa fight. Solid, solid little fight night card. And again, after that, we have Abu Dhabi. Well, we have another fight night card. Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barboza. Holy shit, that's going to be fun, that, that main event. Then in October 21st, we have the UFC 294 Abu Dhabi card. Things are getting interesting, man. Sean Strickland, Sean O'Malley is UFC champions. There's an opportunity for Charles Oliveira to get it back. There's an opportunity for freaking Colby Covington to be UFC champion. This year has been straight chaos. I can't wait to chat about how the rest of the year plays out. Again, I'm your host, Shane Gillette. Bows and TKOs. See you next week.